Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Start in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15. Verse 15 through 20. It says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, Forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father." And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. I want to talk for a few minutes on how God can turn it into good. He can turn it into good. Let's ask the Lord, put our Bibles down, ask the Lord to help us, ask the Holy Ghost to have its way in Jesus' name. God, I pray you'd put me aside for the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, let your word penetrate our hearts and our mind. In Jesus' name, let our hearts be filled, Jesus, with, with, with your word that we might not sin against you, God, that we would know you more. In Jesus' name, have your way. Touch our minds, Jesus. Touch people where they are tonight. Jesus, be a healer, be a miracle worker, be yourself in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've said it before, I count it a great privilege to share the word with my church family. It's got such a hunger for the word, it's, it's alive, and there's so much, you, you, you get yourself into it, it's exciting, and it's just exciting to share. And I'm excited tonight. See, God meant it unto good. All the, all the travail, the Bible says, that Joseph went through, that he endured. He, Jesus, God at this time, he meant it unto good. All the struggle that he went through, the imprisonment, the bondage, all the, all the rejection from his family, God meant it unto good. And what I want to get across tonight, I'll get to the punchline early. I want you to know that whatever your trial is, whatever hell is coming against you with or coming against your family with, whatever valley of the shadow of death that you're walking through right now, you serve a mighty God. And he can turn it into good. And he will. I've demonstrated this. I got a lot of word tonight, so bear with me, but that's better than anything else. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. It says, when Jesus, then Jesus, excuse me, led up the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, it is written. Everyone said, it is written. It is, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for 
It is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, Jesus' word, it is written, again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Jesus, here's what's interesting, it leaves off there, takes him onto an exceeding high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. What strikes me as interesting is Jesus will go on to do numerous signs and wonders on the top of a mountain. We're not going to read every one of them, but if you go to Matthew 14 and 23, he prays on top of a mountain before he walks on water. Matthew 15, 29 through 31, he does numerous miraculous healings. Read that one. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel." Many healings on a mountain. In Matthew 17 and 1, he reveals himself as the Son of God. In Matthew 24 and 3, he teaches the disciples and prophesies of what is to come. In Matthew 28 and 16, he ascends into heaven and gives the great commission to teach the gospel to every living thing. Let me tell you tonight that the devil was sorry that he ever came against Jesus on the top of a mountain because he turned it right back into good and he ministered and he prophesied and he did wonderful works. And he's going to be sorry that he ever brought you into the desert or the wilderness that you're wandering through. As long as you persevere, as long as you keep going, as long as you keep the faith and keep coming after him. Praise the Lord. Praise God. It takes perseverance. But God will make a way when there's no way. And when he does that, when you keep seeking him, you keep coming after him. He'll make that way and it'll become your testimony. It'll become your ministry. It is written. That's powerful what Jesus says there. Brother Chad Gerbing spoke about it several months ago. When you get into your word, the word of God is the sword and the armor. When you read that word and you consume it, that's how you pierce the enemy. I thought that was so powerful and profound. And the Bible tells us, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Jesus follows that exact prescription. Every time the devil comes and tempts him, he, he resists him and he, and he reads the word. It is written. He gives him word. He doesn't argue. He just, he just goes back to the word. And he resists him and, and eventually he does flee. But the thing is, sometimes the wilderness looks worse than the bondage you came from. You ever been there before? The Israelites certainly thought so. They tried to go back to Egypt over and over again as they murmured against God and they, and they talked about how much better they had it in Egypt and how much better it was when they were slaves. And it can be tempting 
to retreat to sin, when life gets hard, when the, the push comes to shove, when, when the mosquito bites and the flat tires happen, as people like to say. It's easy sometimes when everything's going wrong, there's just, it seems like the, the sky is falling completely this time. To retreat to sin, because sin brings a temporary season of pleasure and relief. The Bible says that. The Bible says there's relief there. And it was the same thing for the Israelites. There was relief to go back to Egypt. There, there was food. Egypt got the Nile Delta. There's, there's, there's crops that are plentiful. There's, there's water. There's sustenance to provide for them. It's the same with sin. The problem is in both instances, you still wake up. In Egypt, you still wake up the next morning in bondage. Right? Your, your belly gets filled. There's water to sustain you and take your thirst, but you still wake up in captivity. When you retreat to the life of sin, you'll find those pleasures of sin, but you wake up the next morning still under the bondage of condemnation and shame and the shackles that sin puts on you. There's a promise that is greater than the life of sin that God pulled you out of on the other side of your wilderness. There's a promised land waiting for you. The promised land is heaven. It's on the other side. And hell comes after the people of God. Be rest assured of that. He started pulling angels with him from the very beginning. If he's pulling angels out of heaven, believe me, he's coming after the children of the Lord. Especially people that start to answer the call of God. Especially the people that start to pray more. That start to get consecrated in their worship and start to seek his face more than they ever have. Notice Jesus himself was attacked and tempted by Satan. If he's coming after Jesus, he's coming after the children of God. But watch how Jesus prepared. It says he went to the wilderness to be tempted. Because of that, he prayed and he fasted. He prepared himself because of what was to happen. If you're coming after the call of God, looking at our young people for a second, if you're going after the call of God, you've got to prepare yourself. You've got to prepare with consecration. You've got to prepare with fasting. It doesn't take a certain age to be a faster. It doesn't take a certain age to be a prayer warrior. You've got to be prepared the way Jesus exampled preparation. He comes after the children of God that have got a mighty calling on their lives that start to seek that calling and answer it. If you endure the trial, you'll see God turn the efforts of hell into good. He'll change the valley that the devil created for you into an oasis. Some of the devil's favorite instruments, we hear about this all the time today, and it's not fake, I don't mean it that way, but mental illness, we talk about depression and anxiety and loneliness. That's some of the devil's favorite instruments. That's the tools of hell. Those, my Bible tells me that Fear is not of God. All those things are rooted in fear. That's the, that's the work of the enemy, of the adversary. And Jesus has all power to deliver you of those things for his glory. To deliver you from addictions that are crippling, that you just can't seem to overcome. He can set you free. And that same victory can be a testimony that will draw people, the spirit will use it to draw people to the altar of God. 
People in financial disaster, when, when the poor became rich, there's no other explanation but God. His name will be exalted. He will be glorified. And let, and let me tell you this, even if it never gets better on earth, just might be the case. Someday you'll walk the streets of gold and through those pearly gates and it'll have all been worth it when you get onto the other side. And when he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, here, here's the thing. Our fear and our worry, I've, I've been convicted about this, I've been, been studying this in the word. Our fear and our worry is almost all rooted in, in the things of this world. It's, it's, we, we worry about finances, we worry about, about our health, we worry about our loved ones and their finances and their health, and we worry about relationships and, we, and all these things that the devil tries to use and, and to corrupt, to hurt our families and ourselves. But if we just remember that we're eternal beings, that you've got a spirit inside of you that's eternal, so, and you remember that this life is, is microscopic in the grand scheme of time. And you remember that it's a vapor in the wind, the Bible says. Suddenly those worries start to disappear. We're worried about this life and not our eternity with Jesus. Someday that day will come. Here's some examples for you that are powerful. Daniel's greatest miracle was being led down into a den of lions that Satan hoped he would die in. It was an attack on his life. That was the best thing that happened to Daniel. Because he walked out without a single bite mark on him. At that time, he was praying three times a day. Remember what I said? Satan came after him. Comes after prayer warriors. Comes after the people that are consecrated. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into a fiery furnace that hell wanted them to perish in. In both instances, the God of Israel is declared to be the sovereign God above all else in Babylon. An entire heathen nation bows down to God. He, Jesus can take the most terrifying moment of your life and turn it into a mighty victory that affects multitudes of people. The, it's powerful what the kings say. Daniel chapter three and verse 28. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who hath sent his angels and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that every people nation and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sword. There is no other God that can deliver you from your wilderness than from your desert, from your valley of the shadow of death. There is no other God in heaven or hell. Daniel 6 in verse 26 through 27 says, I make a decree. Here's Darius talking. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? The entire, these are these kingdoms that have taken Israel into captivity power kingdoms or, or nations in that time declare the majesty of God in their whole kingdom. All because of a trial. All because of something the devil used, tried for evil. 
And God turned it into something powerful for his kingdom. He turned it into good. And he can use the worst attack on your life to further his kingdom and to be exalted in all the earth. But only if you keep the faith. Daniel never lost faith. He, he never feared. There's no single mention of Daniel's fear or his apprehension in that moment. The Hebrew boys, the Bible says, were not careful to answer. They were fearless. Their faith was resounding when they were confronted with the spiritual wickedness of this world. They stood on the word of God. They refused to back down. Paul, you believe that God can change people? He can turn people into good? I've told our young people a lot of times, I, it's hard for people to change. It is. I don't know the science behind that. I don't claim to. I'm not a psychologist. I don't, I don't know how that works. But I know it's hard for people to change. Not in the case of the Lord. He can change anyone. He can change anything and everything. And Paul had the authority of the Sanhedrin to imprison and murder followers of Jesus. But he got turned into good. He starts an estimated 20 churches and, and impossible to calculate how many more churches came from that. No doubt saw thousands filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The greatest apostle to ever live he even brought salvation to the Gentiles. God can turn people into good and it doesn't matter. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that anointed Paul or Saul to become that, that apostle. He can take the people today. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what you used to do. Doesn't matter what your sins are, what your past is. He can turn you into good. And besides that, it's already been covered under the blood of Calvary. It's already under mercy. And he can change anyone into good. There's people in this world that have yet to be changed into good that will do mighty things for the kingdom of God. People just waiting for somebody at Abundant Life to say, I've, I want to teach you about the word of God. Do you, do you have 12 hours, as Brother Kai likes to say, do you have 12 hours of your life? I can show you what the word says. And who, who knows what they become. It was Ananias who was just called to go pray with Peter, Peter, excuse me, Paul to get the Holy Ghost. It was all his responsibility was. And then here comes Paul. Who knows who will be called to pray to receive the Holy Ghost. Jesus can change anyone. Hell comes at you with the temptation that's most difficult for you to deal with. I feel like I'm talking to someone tonight that's struggling with sin that it seems impossible to overcome. Addictions. Sin's addicting. Sometimes chemical, sometimes otherwise. But it seems impossible to overcome. Like you'll never have a victory over that stronghold on your life. Jesus can change you. Let me prove that to you. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there was an altar of repentance. And many of you know this and, and know how the, the structure went. But in, in the altar of repentance, once per year, the high priest was to take a perfect sacrifice. My understanding is typically a lamb that was without blemish and without spot. And they had to sacrifice that animal. I think about this more than an average person should, but how horrifying that would be to have to take that little animal and turn it into a sacrifice. 
and in the gore that would come with that, and the sounds and the pain that would have to come. And let me just say that, I say that to say that repentance is not much different sometimes. Repentance is painful. If you truly get on the altar of God and you get under the blood and you repent and you call against the spirits that have held you captive and you cry out to God, it's painful. But what would happen next is that the high priest would, would make that sacrifice and he'd, he'd gather the blood and he'd go before the laver to wash. And what we know about a pool of water is if you look down into it, you see your reflection back at you. But what's powerful is that when you take the hands of that high priest, he, he, he washes himself of that sacrifice, the water gets stained crimson. It's stained the color of blood. And when you stain that water, you can't look back at yourself. There's no more reflection in it. And that's powerful because that priest doesn't have to look back at himself and see all the mistakes that have been made for the last year. He doesn't have to see all the wickedness in his flesh and the lust of his flesh. That water stained red. And let me tell you what's even more powerful than that is when Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice, when he paid the price, when he paid every single person's ransom, you don't have to just have your reflection covered up because now you get to be buried in the waters of baptism. And that blood, it covers you and it washes every single thing away. It's not just your reflection anymore. It takes those spots off of you. It takes every blemish off of you. I'm thankful for the blood. Praise God. It's under mercy. Man, you could talk a long time about mercy. One more thing. Powerful about the Old Testament tabernacle, there were three items that were in the Ark of the Covenant. The Bible says no man could open the Ark of the Covenant. The three items were a pot of manna, the law, and Aaron's rod. And you might think to yourself, why would those three things be in the Ark of the Covenant where no man could open it and no one could ever see it? The lid that covered those items was called the mercy seat where that perfect sacrifice was poured out. Those items were under mercy. Here's why. Well, my belief anyways. The pot of manna was sustenance from the Lord. It was miraculous. But there was shame associated with it. There was shame the way they murmured against God, the way their faith was so small. And he had to provide. The law, the tablets, remember that wasn't the original tablet. The first tablets were destroyed when Moses came down to find what? The, worst, the, the golden calf and all the, the heinous things that came with that. There's shame associated with those tablets. Right? You take Aaron's rod, and, and Moses, he was disobedient to God, missed out on the promised land himself when he hit that rock instead of speaking to it. There's shame associated with that. What's powerful is that Jesus took those, or God took those three things, and, and he put them under mercy. He takes all the shame of the nation, and he buries it under mercy. I'm grateful for mercy. Amen? All that to say... No one's unchangeable. Aren't you thankful for that? No one's unchangeable. Aren't you glad for your not being who you used to be? Aren't you glad God's changed you? You ever just think sometimes, gee, 
God, I'm so glad for how you changed me. And some of it seems so uncontrollable, just things in your nature that you couldn't change about yourself, but, but he made a way and he changed it when you couldn't. Aren't you thankful for that? And he can change more. He can free you from, from addiction. He can deliver you. He changed the apostles. Every single one of them flees the garden of Gethsemane out of fear. Every one of them. And then Peter goes a step further. The rock upon where the church will be built rejects him three times. And if you read it in the gospel, he, he's belligerent about it. He doesn't just quietly say it. He, he is adamant. And those same people boldly go obey the great commission to preach the gospel to every living thing. Almost all of them are martyred. They are, they're suddenly fearless. What changed in them? Well, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I can think of that. <laughs> the Spirit of God was within them and strengthening them. And suddenly the, the same fear in them that caused them to scatter when a very threat came before Jesus they were changing the world fearlessly. He changed legion. Mark chapter five and verse one reads like this. And they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come up out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him, no, not with chain, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stone. And when he saw Jesus afar off, it gets me every time, that description. I can't even find a person to compare to, to Legion or whoever this man with the legions is. There's, there's, I can't even think of anything so absurd almost and how possessed he is. Cannot be contained by any man. Cannot be bound with chain. But when he saw Jesus, he ran and he worshiped. Praise God. He can change anything. And he cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion for we are many, and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh a mountain and a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea. He can change anyone. And he didn't just change him. The best part about this part of the gospel is in verse 18 through 20. Skip down a little ways. And it says, and when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He didn't want to leave. He knows what just happened to him, the deliverance he just had. 
how he was set free. He doesn't want to leave the side of Jesus. How be it, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, go home to thy friend and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. What is the Bible telling us? Legion goes on to preach and testify of all the great things God, he, he wasn't just healed. He wasn't just delivered of the demonic possession. He goes on to testify and share the mighty things of God. He can turn it into good. He'll use your trial for good. And I'll tell you this, sometimes he'll allow you to endure a trial for your own good. I'll prove that. He's got to remind you of his power and greatness sometimes. Matthew chapter 14 and 22. It says, and straightaway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side. Well, he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And while the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? When they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the son of God. He constrained them. Verse 22, constrained them to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side. He's God. Agreed? He, he knows everything. He knows the weather. He creates the weather. He's aware of the storm that's about to take place. Yet he constrains the disciples to get into a ship and get out on the water. Why on earth? He had to show them his miracles. In the other, part, in the other gospels it says, they weren't even considering the loaves and the fishes. That's powerful. See, Jesus had already done numerous works he had already done miracles in front of them. He, he had already saved them from a storm before. It had just been a while since they were miraculously saved. How often do you forget about your own loaves and fishes? The miracles the Lord's done for you, the blessings we take advantage of every day. I'm encouraging you, your storm might just be, it might just be because God's got to remind you who he is in your life. He's got to remind you of, your, of his power and what he can save you from. Sometimes we forget. We think about what has he done for me lately and it's just been a while since he's fed the 5,000, since he stilled your tempest. He's just reminding you how mighty he is in your life. Let's stand tonight.
he can turn it into good. All the way until his death, the scribes and the Pharisees work to destroy him, even in his death. And what I'm talking about is when they bury Jesus in the tomb, the Bible talks about how some of the Pharisees go before Pilate and see, they're not stupid. They know the Messiah. They, they, know, they know the prophecy. And they go before Pilate and they say, there's a chance that his disciples will come and take him out of the tomb to make it look like this was the Messiah, that the prophecy has been fulfilled. Let us set a watch before the tomb to make sure that there's no way that can happen. In other words, let us set a watch before the tomb of Jesus to make sure that he can't rise again and that nothing comes out of there. It was meant for evil. The Pharisees, they knew. I think a lot of them anyways, they knew. They were so concerned about the respect of the people and their position and their authority. But they set that watch before the tomb. When he still rose, all that evil that they tried to prevent him from rising, it just, it made his resurrection even more powerful. It made it even more unexplainable that he still came out of that tomb with not just a massive boulder, but a watch set before him. There's no explanation other than it was Jesus. It was the coming of the Messiah. We all go through different things. We all go through trials. We all go through some of the worst attacks of your life. But I just want to encourage you today, church, that the Lord can turn it into good. It's impossible to say what, what that is or what, what the purpose is. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe he needs you to remember who he is. Or it might just be the enemy coming against you, but he can turn it into good. And he can change everything. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Changing power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, for changing me. Thank you, God, for filling your people, for making us a temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, we pray that you would just remind us to persevere. Jesus, to keep the faith, to stay strong, to keep coming after you, Jesus, to keep praising, to keep worshiping. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.